Ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, this is Talk About It Outdoors live from the Wilson studio. Alex DeBoard, Nick Wilson, ready to kick it up and kick it loud. We have got an amazing special episode for you guys tonight coming at us with the old flintlock to talk about things like knives and cutting to the core of what hunting's all about. Y'all going to want to pull up a chair and set a while for sure for this one. Nicholas, I'm finally back from Iowa, and I have thawed out, son. I have been frozen in stone for the last week. I got more cold weather up there than I've been in in the last 10 years. And, uh, buddy, I am glad to be back in the studio with you. I'm glad you're back, man. I was uh, getting lonely. I come to here set sometimes at night and just, <laughs> just, just act like yourself. we were doing Just talk to myself, act like we were doing it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, like I said, back from the trip to Iowa, and it was, a, it was a great year. Didn't come home with any big bucks this year for myself, but a couple of my buddies brought home some good ones. I did take some down to McMickens Taxidermy and drop off for them. Caped them out myself, got got some more practice in doing that, learned a new trick in doing it, which I'll have to tell you about that later. Uh, you're going to laugh at me for it, but brought back some bone. Dad knocked down a decent eight-pointer, and he was tickled with it, but we got our meat in the freezer, 102 pounds what we put up, Holy 14 crap. quarts of uh, of canned meat, and uh, i tell you what, it's, uh, it's going to eat good this winter. You glad to get back in here and podcast? I'm glad to be back, and, and I'll tell you, I'm going I'm to say this right off the rip, I sat up there in the the bomb shelter, and you know the bar. I sent you the legendary bathroom pic of the walls in there and everything. And and I walked out that night that I took that picture and looked out across the crowd, and there was more Talk About It Outdoors hoodies and T-shirts and hats than I've ever seen congregated in a group of people that aren't from here than I've ever seen. There was 10, 15 hats and shirts in there in the the people there, they support what we do. They 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 ask about you. They have never even met you, but people were asking, like, how's Nick doing? You know, they listen to the show, and they believe in what we're doing. And to me, the the support that I saw there, it kind of got a little tear in my eye when I was looking <laughs> at them. I was taking pictures of them and everything else. But it was, it was so cool to see that that support so far away that we've been able to, to take a piece of their, you know, life and be involved in it and – you know, shout out to everyone up there. I, I know I said I was going to do an episode while I was up there talking to them, but we'll talk as it goes. Maybe we'll do a little bit at the end, kind of recap that that trip. And but it was it was a great time, one of the best we've had nine years in a row. I've been able to go up there for the shotgun season. This was Dad's tenth year, and we had an amazing time. And buddy, I tell you what, negative two degrees with that windshield like to froze my skinny tail to death. <laughs> I bet it did. Well, I'm glad it's growing. I'm glad it's growing up there in the Midwest and for your friends and family and hopefully we can keep growing that thing. Yeah, we're going to for sure. But, you know, tonight, this this gentleman that's joining us, it's came from a relationship that you and I founded with the Between the Tines podcast guys. And they first introduced me to this gentleman through a, a, a little video that over on TikTok. He sent it to me. He said, man, you need to check out what this guy's doing. And from there, I went on a live with him one night, developed into a, a friendship. Now we're texting back and forth once or twice a week. And we check in with each other. And the things he's doing for himself in the outdoor industry and the name that he's building for himself through a craftsmanship and, and ingenuity of trying something new and, and making his name stand out by being different. 
And he's not only doing that in his knives that he's making, but he's doing it through the hunting style that he's doing. And I can't wait to go into this. He's a big, bad turkey hunter. He spent time in PA, LA, and over in Texas now. I'd like to welcome to Talk About It Outdoors tonight, Mr. R.P. Scritchfield. Uh, what's going on, guys? It's good to see you back. The fun. All, it, toes, all, you, all your fingers, all your toes, you I, got them all. I come back with them this time, buddy, for sure. And uh, <laughs> I tell you, you know, the first time we went on live together, R.P. was like a, he, he was like a little kid bouncing around on that camera. I was like, dude, calm down. <laughs> he said, I got to calm my nerves down. I'm getting all excited. But. It was fun to sit down and talk to him that night and hear everything that he brought to the table. Yeah, I get a little nervous still. I mean, I ain't used to all the attention. Everybody says they want the attention, and you sit on the couch, and you watch all these shows and stuff, and you think you want the attention, and you get it, and you're like, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, 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 <laughs> um, we've, we, Nick, yep. Nick, Nick and I both have found ourselves in those situations before. A lot worse on my side, so. It's getting better uh -huh. though. Yeah. Well, Alex, you can, you can, you're a chatterbox. Boy, you can, you can spit it out. You can flow. Usually I, I like takes a few of that, a few of them uh, twelve ounce curls to get me going real good. But I'll <laughs> talk right. yours off. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, get it. Well, RP, you know, everyone that that hears your name, that's anybody in the outdoor industry now, or that's following along TikTok or or Facebook or Instagram, they've seen the knives that you're putting out. And if they haven't, they need to go over to Scritchfield Knives and check out what you're doing with the turkey. And we'll get into how that came to fruition and everything else. But first and foremost, I want you to take us all the way back, man. I, you know, and I said you're from PA and what you're doing with a right. flintlock and everything else. I, I want you to take us back to those early days of where you are and, and tell everyone about you and, and who you are and where you're from. All right. Well, uh, yeah, you, you said it. Originally from Pennsylvania, a little town called Hyman, Pennsylvania. Population is basically null and void. Uh, it's Pennsylvania is a hunting state, man. I'm I'm sure you've heard or you've talked to people or met people from PA. It's one of those states they shut down school on the first day of deer season. It's a sea of orange when you drive down the road. There's cars in every pull off. State game lands are littered with orange. And uh, growing up in that, like in a small town where that's the fun, that's the outdoor fun is you're either freshwater trout fishing in the streams in the summer or in the spring, turkey hunting or deer hunting in the winter. And other than that, there ain't much else to do but get in trouble. So uh, I don't know. It's just a deeply rooted state in the sportman, sportsman community. So, uh, yeah, growing up. I don't know, about 12 years old when I, when I was a kid, from what I remember, it was 12 years old was when you started hunting. That's when you could legally hunt. Unlike now where, you know, you can take a kid of any age. Uh, so I was 12, which nowadays standard, that's kind of late, you know, but, right. uh, 12 years old started hunting and, uh, my family, they were kind of overachievers like I am when they get something in their head, they'd like to do it. And, uh, we, my dad, my pap, uh, my cousins my uncle they used to build these big stands that were at let's just say 15 20 feet off the ground and we would sleep in them they would be a little cabin up in the air oh and wow. they'd have heating like three of us would hunt in them my, my uncles actually had like two stories he had a hot tub on the bottom of it and tv <laughs> and crap in the top of it but extreme overachievers and we hunted a, a little 800 piece of property that my uncle Faye had and it was a massacre come first day of deer season. Like 
it was game on. It was nonstop shots. And it was our whole family, like cousins, uncles, just the whole entire family. There'd be 15, 20 of us there in a group. And we'd be kind of bunched up. Me and my dad and my pap hunted out of the same little cabin, box stand, tree stand, whatever you want to call it. My cousins would be together, my uncle and my aunt, and them, they would hunt. Anyhow, getting to the point. Uh, so my dad and my pap had told me, uh, first shot's yours, no matter what. 12 years old, kid, never killed a deer, first shot's yours. Well, this giant, I'm talking about giant, I'll tell it. Yeah, it's a giant now. It was a real <laughs> giant at 12 years old. I want to say it had 24-inch inside spread, 12-point score i didn't know what a score was back then but we just shot bucks you know but uh so i pulled the trigger on it and it i probably couldn't hit the broad side of a barn from what i was shooting at and i cried lost my shirt tail and all that kind of stuff but oh you missed I think it. that was the i missed him i missed him and that was the beginning of the plague of me not being able to capitalize on a big buck like it plagued me up until this year, honestly, I hunt, I hunt as hard as I possibly can. I do all the stuff you're supposed to do. You hunt the winds, scent control, do this, do that, running cameras. I would do everything my entire life and couldn't ever get the job done on a big buck. And it was really, really disheartening being a, a true deer hunter, being a, an yeah. avid hunter. And putting a lot of time in the woods, that that was tough. And I know a lot of people out there experience the same things that I have forever. And that's kind of what led me into hunting more traditional and getting into the flintlock hunting and stuff was accepting the fact that maybe I did not have a horseshoe whatsoever. <laughs> and I was going to have to settle for that buck the last day of season or I was have to settle for a subpar buck that really didn't make you super tickled and you didn't want to put him on the wall but if you got it done with a flintlock he was a trophy he was a giant you know so that's kind of uh now how old were you when you started him. the flintlock game uh we was in and out with flintlocks as kids um because they dedicate the a week don't they dedicate a week uh, to it in pa they dedicate an entire season so postseason starts the day after christmas in pennsylvania and it's it's flintlock archery. I think it's 15 days long. Don't quote me on any of the laws or anything now because it's been years since I've been up and, and lived there. I still go back and hunt occasionally, but uh, it's still a flintlock archery season. And the benefit to the uh, late season flintlock is you can use your buck tag for a buck or a doe. So okay. Pennsylvania's a one buck state. You got like a two week rifle season. So you're really only killing one deer. You apply for a doe tag. Typically, you can get a doe tag, and then they they a lot more tags according to however many tags are sold. There's a whole rigmarole with that, but basically, you're you're a one buck state mm -hmm. that you get with your license. So you get to that postseason, you're talking about that negative two degrees or whatever. It gets cold, and most people ain't trying to go out in the woods. So the opportunity to be able to take a doe when you don't have a doe tag, but you got a buck tag that you can use for it and go out and do it with a flintlock, that's that makes it uh, more special, you know. And just to be able to pull the trigger on something with a flintlock is awesome. Is that flintlock still pretty traditional up there? 
nowadays? Yeah, I mean, there's still a season on it. There's still like people yeah, still get like, like families still get into it with kids and stuff. Uh, there's guys. It's not nearly as popular as it used to be. I mean, it's still there's still a lot of PA guys that flintlock hunt and love it. And there's some guys that take it to the extreme with the outfits and the fur hats and like they go off on it It, and it's cool to see and i'm not saying i wouldn't want to try it one time but i don't know maybe that's what we should do can can you get a non-resident flintlock tag oh yeah absolutely maybe we should yeah pennsylvania is a pretty cheap state too i think it's i don't want i think it's like 100 bucks or maybe 126 dollars for your license and a, a stamp maybe we should dress in full gear get a possibles bag get a get a powder horn and go up there and and dress in that only alex would think i've got a flintlock i do i don't i've got an old flintlock that i could use like a reenactment up there no 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 yeah i would have a reenactment like a mountain man reenactment be like like josie wales out there going through the woods now we might have we we might have asked rick this i don't remember maybe you remember you can't use a standard muzzleloader right no, you can't use an inline uh, during flint, flintlock. Flintlock is flintlock. That is a lock, a flint lock. The actual lock requires a flint to be screwed into the uh, cock, and yeah, it's it's a flintlock. There's no exceptions. Like here, we have a muzzleloader season, and right. you can use inline. Hell, now they got the muzzleloaders that ain't even like a muzzleloader. You load them in the back, and it's, it's yeah, fire sticks or something. I don't know what they call, but I've seen them. I'm sure they're they're pretty did you, awesome. Did you, you know, have any problems? Every... Did you have any problems late season with that flintlock? Like going uh, off with the weather? You recall? The biggest problem that people have is not taking care of their equipment. If you don't take care of your equipment, you're going to have problems with it. So if you clean the gun right, you have a sharp flint, you have dry powder, you have dry powder in your pan, you're not really going to have a problem. Everybody, that's the first question everybody always asks me. Hey, what's the delay like? Or what's this? What's that? I use some hot 4F powder in the pan, maybe put a little extra 4F in the bottom of the barrel just to give you a, a little bit more of a charge inside of it. And some people, I'm speaking Greek to them right now, and I'm no. spitting it out like everybody knows. But, uh, yeah, you just get you a little hotter powder. I don't load my pan until I'm ready to shoot it. And a lot of people don't do that. They'll load their pan, which is if you flip, flip your frizzle forward, which is like the the – where the flint strikes at when it strikes it flips uh, a little flat forward and that lets your spark go down into a pan on the outside which shoots fire into the inside of the barrel and ignites your your ignition powder in the barrel a lot, shoots of, your bullet. A lot of times with that black powder you'll get the breech plug stopped up they don't clean their breech plug well and absolutely that's where a lot of the problems absolutely. kind of generate yep. from was that 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 breech plug clear you, you got that hot powder dark I, boom! I, I love yeah, it it's, it's awesome i it's love not, it yeah it's not much of a delay if everything's right and you take the time to make sure everything's right before you do it it's going to operate the exact way it's supposed to operate so that's what i was going to ask and, i know we asked rick about it but is there anything that you guys practice to anticipate that uh shot double check i no no i'm I'm just saying like to make it for it click before so you didn't pull the gun away from from whatever you're aiming Uh, at training yourself shooting a lot yeah yeah did you shoot that or another technique you guys might have used no mind over matter yeah like 
when you when you draw a bead, like you have to expect a horse to be able to kick you in the face and you don't move. <laughs> like when you draw, like you just you're prepared for the shot and don't move no matter what happens. It's really hard to get your brain to go that way, but once you do it. It's it's not that difficult. Yeah, that old flash kind explosion of right there in your face would be hell, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. Trying to hold on to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like I said, it's joking. mind never matter. You do it enough, and it's second nature. You know, you shoot a flintlock enough, and it's that's just your gun. I I shoot all the time. I take it all the time for everything. So I'm taking it rabbit hunting next weekend just to try to add another kill to the list. You now, know, you what caliber is that RP? I have a new introduced a new one to my arsenal. I got a 75 cal smoothbore that it's technically an 11 gauge. God so almighty damn. Could you imagine that thing kicking my skinny tail? Well, RP ain't much bigger than bad. I am. So yeah, I might be smaller. son. <laughs> uh, it's not as bad. Honestly, I only put an 80, 80 grain charge in it. Whereas I'll, I'll dump a hundred grain in my 50 cal. So you imagine it's pumping a hundred grain out of a smaller circumference barrel as opposed to a bigger barrel with less grain. It's not as bad. And that 75 cal is way heavier, yeah. way longer. Yeah. It's, it's not as bad. You just said it sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah. You just said you were trying to uh, get something else underneath your belt with that. What are you, what are you, what are you going with that? Where was you going with that talk? Like, do you, have you I just like, been on a mission like, to kill certain stuff with it? Not just anything I can. I just like to do it different. I don't know. You kind of touched on that in the intro. I, I like to do things different and or traditional or, you know, take yourself back without sound, sounding cheesy. Like we've forgotten the ways of the past and it kind of is a little humbling to take yourself back to that point. And realize, hey, I got modern technology doing this, and I'm all nervous and scared and worried it ain't going to do this and this and this. And you picture or try to envision 20 yards in front of you, there's another line of guys standing doing the exact same thing, lined up, popping shots back off at you. And you're trying to reload to get another shot on a deer or take another shot on a rabbit or whatever. Like, imagine what those guys were thinking. And the dedication that it took to a country or to a to a belief without getting crazy political or nothing like that. But Go on, son. Preach, preach. Tell us about it. To the, like it. Our, <laughs> to the history of our country, though, like the belief in the what they fought for, man. To stand there was something – I guess that was modern technology back then, but, man, I can't even fathom standing in front of somebody – in a battle where somebody commanded you to line up in such an ignorant fashion of war <laughs> shoulder to you shoulder know, like yeah line up and shoot at them and then let them shoot at you like there was there was honor amongst it which i don't know if it was good or bad honor but there was honor amongst it that they you know take turns you get to crack at me i get to crack at you and whoever's standing at the end of it well, that's it's, really it's what... amazing that go, go ahead, ahead i'm sorry I was I was just going to say that it's amazing that more of the guerrilla tactics that we have today with the minds that that the people had back then there was intelligent minds then the thought of that type of warfare 
is mind boggling to me. Like I know they had some, some different sniper groups and, and guys that would hide out in the bushes and stuff, but that makes sense. You know, they were doing that on game. Why don't you think they would have instituted more of that into war? It was just, there was just such a, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but there's an honor is the only thing that's coming. Yeah. I mean, there was, yeah, it was a gentleman's war and war was fought by right. gentlemen. Generals were gentlemen. I mean, they, they spoke in context. They were the educated and those are the right. ones that, that won wars when the British were going on. Then you come to the United States during in 1770s when we're fighting, you know, the war of revolution. And that is really what shifted the entire war to the favor of the colonies because of they, their adaption to those tactics and being able to take right. an old squirrel hunter or a guy that, that survived in the wild and putting those tactics into play. And, you know, we, we watched the movie The Patriot. Of course, The Patriot's one of those movies that, that shifted everybody's attention to that style of war and where you can right. get away from that. And, gosh, I mean, you're right, though, standing in line and being – and there was people that could get two, three shots off in 60, 70 seconds with those yep. rifles. Do you think you could get more than one off in a minute? If I Yeah, if I wanted to, if I set myself up, it's all about preparation. That's right. Like, you do the right things and you try hard enough. But like you just said, though, they were squirrel hunters and stuff. They would bring them out and say, here, shoot this target. And if you were subpar, front of the line. If you were a marksman, oh, we need you in the back. We got to hold on to you for a while. And it wasn't, there was no value. The, the value of the battle overvalued the value of life yeah. in that period. And I mean, that's something that's great that we've got away from because now the value of life and the value of our own warriors are at the highest priority. But uh, I don't know. It's just different times. It's, it's awesome to graduate beyond that but that's what also taught us to graduate beyond that was to never forget what was done or mistakes positive whatever you know you it, history teaches you <laughs> well and I, sometimes I, you don't repeat history and i want to stay on that same mind frame that you've got going there with the you know the old ways and not forgetting the old ways and is is that what you know ultimately led you to want to become a knife maker and, and start forging. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it was part of that, maybe a little bit selfishness because, uh, yes, it's a trade that it's just cool. How did you get into People it? People just decided. I just have always wanted to do it. I've had ideas for knives in my own head and thoughts of what I wanted to do with knives. And finally, we just one day said, screw it. I'm going to do it. But, I mean, it, it stemmed more from, I'm not going to say boredom, but it was kind of boredom. I had a granite business in Louisiana. My wife got promoted over here to Texas. We moved. I sold my business. I come over here and I was a stay-at-home dad. Like, I live on Lake Conroe. I fished every single <laughs> day for a year and a half. I, w I was no bad. I got him a sugar mama, Nick. What do you want? <laughs> Now, is your, let me ask this. Is your wife her. from PA or was she from Louisiana? No, she's from Louisiana. Okay. Yeah, she's from Denham Springs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, we moved over here, and I fished every day, and I, I just got to the point where I was like, I, I need to start something. I need to get another business going. 
I got to do something. And I don't know. Knife making is where it was at. How long have you been doing that had now? that on the back. For, uh, not super long. I don't even know. A year, year and a half. I don't know. Something like that. But you had studied metallurgy before you got into it a little bit. I've done yeah. a lot of metal work. I've done. And with the granite business, it really goes hand in hand. Like uh, knowing how to shape hard objects. I know that sounds goofy, but man, most trades transition. And if you can figure out the differences and learn the properties of this trade as opposed to this trade and know how to do this one correctly and then use all the lessons that you've learned from this trade to transition into this trade, they go hand in hand. So granted and having my own business for 15 years and doing running a business, doing the trade, being hands-on owner operator, all that, I contribute a lot to uh, my knife making abilities. Now, the the ultimate question that's on everybody's mind when they see your name or see Scritchfield knives is is the turkey knife. Yeah, and I mean that's the yeah, one that's, that's kind of state been your staple. And where did where did the idea for it come from? Uh, random thought. Uh, I've I had a uh, I hunt with Rich Miller up in Mississippi a lot. They they've taken me in like family. I got adopted family all over the damn country, but they're they're really close to my heart. And, uh, anyhow, we hunt a lot together and I had, uh, killed a bird up there and I wanted to pay him back for all the things that he had done. And I had that bird, I had a rack buck that he had killed and I'd picked up a bunch of metal. He had some leaf springs and stuff laying around up there. So I got a bunch of metal from him one time when I was at the camp and I come home, I'm like, man, I'm gonna make him a knife. That's a hundred percent 100% from his camp. Like I'll have to tell you on a, at a later date about he's very impressive in what he did. Like he hand built this cabin. He's, he's the ultimate man in my opinion. But anyhow, I wanted to make him something that come a hundred percent off his property. I knew he would like flip out over it. So I made him a spur knife, made a little display with the deer horns. Everything came from his property, metal bird and deer. And Ricky saw it. And, uh, as soon as Ricky from Ittitoshka taxidermy, as soon as he saw it, he's like, dude, I need to, I'm like, all right, send me some legs. So he sent me some legs over and I'm laying around trying to think of a different idea. Cause Rich Richard's blade was kind of my straight blade that I make now. Mm-hmm. So I'm laying around like, man, Ricky's into, you know, Ricky does the longbow thing and they, they got, they, he finds arrowheads and he's who knows he's a freaking Indian. I don't know what all he's got <laughs> in his bloodstream, but so I c- got to contribute a lot of it to Ricky. Cause he was the inspiration behind it. You know, I'm like, man, I got to overachieve. He's going to put it in a shop and I'm still thinking super small scale. Like I'm going to get 10, 15 guys off this knife. So I got to make it really cool. Cause everybody that comes in there is going to want one. It's a Turkey hunter. So I, I had the idea laying in bed. I told my wife, I'm like, oh, my God, if I make this knife, I can pull this off. It's going to be the most epic thing that's ever hit the turkey hunting woods. She's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Roll over, go to sleep. (laughs) So I woke up the next day and I drew it out and I sent a picture to Ricky. And he's like, bro, if you can make that, that's going to be sick. Long story short, I made it, sent it to him. And he's like, dude, this is the most 
cool thing I've ever seen in my life. This is the coolest knife I've ever seen. Now, the people that and, haven't seen it, why don't you describe it a little bit, what it is? Uh, it just looks like a. I, I kind of did a feather design that would work for a knife also. Um, a, a standard fan feather wouldn't obviously work for a knife because it's so blunt on the end. So I kind of made a little bit of a point, but kind of kept it under-exaggerated the point a little bit. And then I put a turkey fan feather pattern on it and um, threw a spur on for the handle. It's a it's through tang with a threaded pummel. So it's all, it's mechanically fixed as well as um, chemically fixed with a, a epoxy and stuff in it. And then it's clear coated out. I got a special clear coat that I'm not telling anybody because that's what everybody's trying to figure out right now. Well, and I think uh, that's the thing that, you know, you came up with the design and you, you took it, ran with it and shout out to Ricky and those guys for, for recognizing it and kind of pushing you to, to make more. Currently, do you have a count of the knives you've made? The, the actual, I don't even pay attention. It's I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so behind and it took off so fast. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even, I'm just out there working on knives probably 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week. Is and it, I ain't worked a day yet. Is it the turkey? Is it the turkey uh, knife mainly? Yeah, yeah, it's mainly. I mean, I have a list a mile long of custom knives and stuff, but I just kind of go through. I've numbered everything. I'm keeping track of what I got. And when I get to your name on the list, it's your turn. And I tell everybody that up front, like, I'm probably into April, possibly May. Just if you're patient, I get to you. If you want it, great. If you don't, just tell me you don't. I'll move on to the next person. So I don't require any money down or nothing like that. Just send me your legs. You go on the list in the order that I get them. So you sit, you sit down and, and uh, drew out that – you drew it out this, yourself, the, the design and all that stuff? Man, you must have yeah. some amazing drawing skills because the detail that's <laughs> on that knife is unbelievable. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've done – dude, I can't even go into the list of things. I mean, I tattooed for a little while. Like, I, if I want to do something, I'm going to jump <laughs> is, in. I'm gonna hang on, hang on, hang on. Is this the shit eater? <laughs> Yes, this is him. This yeah. is the shit eater. This is the shit eater. Okay, okay. I for, for, for anybody that doesn't know, our good buddies over at Between the Times podcast had uh, Dustin and Ricky. Yeah, and that's where the, that's where you keep hearing Ricky come from. Yeah, it's uh, Ricky Bayhan and Dustin Wascomb. Uh, it's two guys that Nick and I have really became really good friends with, and uh, they had RP on their show and. He said, where are you from? He said, IPA. I've lived in Louisiana. I live in Texas now. And he said, damn, you ain't nothing but a shit eater. <laughs> and I know I, on the show, if you listen well, yeah, to it, you can see RP. And it like, didn't register what? until just now when he's talking about doing all these different things. <laughs> oh, my so, he, He's done a little bit of I'll everything. Yeah. I don't care. I'll own it, baby. <laughs> so, how do you like living in Texas so far? I friggin' love Texas. This yeah. is my state. Really? I love it, man. You get to go back yeah, home to well, Pennsylvania much? Not as much as I'd like. You got it's family just, still there? Uh, all my family's there. Yep. yep. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, we don't have anybody in Texas here, but I freaking love it. It's awesome. 
Now you're spending more yep. and more time in the outdoors as it, from state to state to state as you travel. And I, I know we've spent the last 20 minutes talking about knives. And before we go any further, I just want to say anyone that's interested in a knife can, can contact RP over at Scritchfield Knives on Instagram. You can shoot him a message there. You can get in touch with him and you can find all his work there and see the amazing stuff he does. And he doesn't only just do turkey knives. He's doing some great things with other knives as well. So Make sure you check all that out. If you're into knives, I, I know me and him sat one night on Instagram live and talked for an hour about knives and we've got some, I've got a knife that I've got in mind to get him to do down the road. But, um, how much are they real quick? Uh, I'll pretty much make any kind of skinner or anything for 200 bucks. And that that's the I mean, Turk. That's the Turkey one also. No, the feather blades four fifty. Okay. Yep. Cool. It's a little, it's a little more pricey, but I'm the only man in the world making them. So there you go. I don't blame you. It is what it is. <laughs> you got the demand for it. Keep it, keep it rolling. Yep. Is it the, is it the, the knife making that is going to be the statement as you go forward, RP, or is it going to be something else that you've got in mind? Uh, no. I, I mean, I would love for that to just be a stepping stone. Um. I don't know if you want to get into that flintlock. I do. (laughs) And that's kind of where I was going with that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if I'm going to try to single season grand slam with a flintlock next year. And I know it's been done once by um, uh, her name is slipping my memory right now, but in 2012, she did a world slam, whether it was single season or not, I don't know, but she accomplished it with a flintlock. I've not found or heard of any other person that's done it, whether you have or haven't. If you have, I'm sorry, but I haven't found out that you did. So that's a goal that I have set and I'm putting into place next year. I got the gun. I got all the hunts booked. I'm going for it. So that's a lifetime goal, and uh, hopefully I can pull it off. Walk us through the states. Uh, Florida is end of March. Um, that's, uh, I think I'm going down there with West shore outfitters, if I'm not mistaken. And then I'll come back to Mississippi. I'm actually most nervous about my damn Eastern, believe it or not. Uh, these other States I'm not as nervous about. I'm more worried about getting a freaking contrary Eastern to cooperate when it's under the gun. What know? week, what when weekend's that? Uh, or what week? Uh, I can spend as much time in Mississippi as I want. Gotcha. So uh, that I'll fill all the voids in with that. And then I go from there. I might come back. I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure when uh, my Texas and Nebraska triple line up, but I can spend as much time in Texas on Rio's as I want. Cause I have a lease over here. And then I go to Nebraska, um, April, May something like that. I got a guide up there that we're just kind of going hunting together. Another kind of turkey knife deal, but uh, we're going to go hunt together. And well, if, if we Mississippi don't, I'm, I'm, if Mississippi don't pan out on that Eastern, I know old boy it might trade you a Rio for a, for an Eastern hunt over here in Georgia. Hey, <laughs> oh, we got plenty of them, man. It, it, it drives me crazy sitting in the deer stand and hearing them cutting that's, up. That's I ain't a good idea, Alex. Out there yet, but, I hope he's talking about me, yeah. not Cody. 
I was talking about you for sure. I dang sure wasn't. I dang sure wasn't talking about me. I ain't got no bit now. If you want to trade an eastern turkey for a whitetail deer hunt in Texas, I'm your man. I'm all about that. <laughs> well, everything might be a possibility. You know. Have you found we a, got some good deer out there? Have you found a state that it's not legal in? No, no, they're all. It's a shotgun. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not. It's not a rifle bear. It's it's a shotgun in every sense of the world, or every sense of the word. He's loading it with shot instead of just a solid bullet. Oh, okay, okay, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Smooth bore. It's eleven gauge. Yep. Yep. I got <laughs> I do a like lug that around, old son. What what what, <laughs> what what kind of yardage do you think you'll have with that? Uh, I like inside thirty yards, yeah. but that's kind of a traditional thing. I don't. I mean, you know, as an old school turkey hunter, it. It wasn't none of this 50, 60, 70 yard turkey hunting stuff. Like, it, you wanted a 20 yard bird. Yeah. Growing up, we were 20, 30 yards. 30 yards was tops. So, I had that same talk today with a guy. I said, you know, I, cause I'm looking at, I want a new 20 gauge and I want to get on that bandwagon, you know, tote something lighter cause I've been hauling right. this 12 around. But that's what I told him. I said, I don't care if I buy a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, a three and a half. I want them inside of 40. I, I feel like I'm doing, I'm trying to do my job with my mouth or, or my call in my just hand. Just do it. Yep. I will tell you this right now. Just do it. Because the naysayers or the little doubt in the back of your head is going to eat you up for the rest of your life until you don't do it. Procrastination is the worst. Everybody said you can't kill a turkey with that 50 cal flintlock. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's shooting it out at terminal velocity. So yeah, it's just a matter of distance. I ended up shooting bird at four steps with it, but he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So just like you said, get him in closer. That's, That's right. It's not about the kill. That's and right. You know, you're a turkey hunter. It's not about the kill. That's right. It, I mean, some people are mad at him and it's all about the kill. I'm hoping that's the fire that I get next year. Cause <laughs> I want to get mad at him. I got 12 or so tags to fill. This is the first year I'm going to go out for blood. Normally, I kill one bird. I'm 100% satisfied, and I spend the rest of the year calling. Yeah. And typically, I don't even go out for one bird. I end up having to shoot one because it comes in and doesn't get give this person a shot or something, you know. But Have, uh, you, have you already done the slam do already? No. No, you nope. haven't completed it No, nope. it's been a dream. It's like one of those things that you don't it's just like that 20 gauge oh man i'll never have the time i'll never have the ability i'll never have the money i don't do it mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do do it and i'm doing it this year like now that i've got it all lined up and stuff and the weight's off my shoulder the monkey's off my back it's like oh man i should have been doing this years ago why yeah. didn't i do it years ago yeah have you done so, any turkey I mean, calling competitions Hell, you seem like you're pretty good at everything else. <laughs> yeah. Man, why are you going to call me out like that? No, I'm not, I vocal call. I yeah. know you're going to. Yeah. But yes, I vocal call, but I've never. It's it's almost like singing. Like you kind of doubt yourself and you don't really think you sound as good. But everybody else says, oh, man, you sound amazing. And I'm like, yeah. Don't look at me. I ain't I'm got just, no turkey calling I, experience. Hell, I, just, I can't even scratch a box call. I'm just wondering if he's going to sign up for the Nashville this year. Nah, I don't. Uh, yeah, that would be, uh, that would be awesome, but I don't. I don't know. I don't like the stage. I don't. I just don't like the stage. I don't like these mics and stuff. This is pretty easy. I can sit here and look at you. But 
I, I don't. Well, just I I'll tell you what, if you get on that stage, just imagine you're sitting here looking at me and Nick uh, when you call him. <laughs> I'm not going to be listening. Yeah. I'm not going to be listening, but I'll smile and grin. <laughs> yeah, but then I'll be reaching for a beer or something. Oh, well, that, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Speaking of the NWTF, do uh, you want to share anything with the listeners about the knives or anything? You want to uh, go, go into that? I got, I got two. I donated to the, actually the original two, the knives that they've been posting and stuff is the original two feather knives. Other than Ricky's, his was the original, but the new ones are slightly different. Mm -hmm. I tried it. We'll call it a series for lack of a better word, but I started this series of knives and I made them 001, 002. Okay. And I donated it to them, made cases for them, did a pretty nice little, uh, set up for them and they're going to auction them off at the grand national auction um come what is it february whatever 22nd yeah. 24th i don't know when it is but yeah so if anybody's interested in february 17th 18th and 19th there you go yeah. yeah hopefully it takes a big old wallet to get them i'm anxious to see what one of my blades will sell for that's pretty excited to see it you need to make that's sure. a once in a lifetime opportunity honestly it it's kind of mind-boggling that it's that it's even happening. But, uh, and we should expect to see you on stage up there while they're auctioning this off, shaking, <laughs> shaking hands and congratulating hold, someone. Come on, RP. Don't hold your, don't hold your breath. Man. Come on. I think it's. I think it could happen if I wanted it. Boy, to. I wish I could make now. Nah, what if you? What? <laughs> you man, might, I don't know. You might see old boy back here in the back with a video camera with a talk about it outdoors shirt on. Oh, then I definitely freeze up. I just hold my hands up. Holla. <laughs> you need to make sure that y'all have that that y'all take the camera and everything. What what hold on a minute. Make sure to take it <laughs> where? <laughs> what was that? What was that? <laughs> Mic drop, Nick. What what did I just say? Or you want to tell the guys that, uh, that are listening a little something about the NWTF? Yeah, we uh we decided to go out and get us a booth for the NWTF. So talk about it outdoors. We'll have a one one spot booth and i hope everybody that listens to this is comes up there and we're hoping by then we have some new merchandise drop but if not come over and see us we're hoping between the times comes over and hangs out with us and anybody else that's there is more than welcome to come over there levi wilson within range guys uh anyone that's there that we've had conversations with in the past i'm sure dave uh the kt team's gonna be there oh yeah we're we're, we're right we're um we're like four booths over from KT and Penhody Project. So. Oh, I did. Boy, it worked out, didn't it? Yeah, we're it? right on the corner. They're like in between the aisle right across from us. We're right on the corner on the main aisle. Nice. So nice. You guys who, uh, I'm sure old Dustin will be hanging out with. I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We all going to come see you. Shoot, my dad's going to be there. We we got a posse rolling with me. I can't wait. I got an entourage. <laughs> so, so what do you what have you taken with that flintlock? Because we, we kind of skipped over that just a second ago. I was wanting to ask you that. Uh, deer, obviously. Do you want to get into that, my good buck? Oh, year? yeah, yeah. Hey, as right. long as you want to well, share. Yeah, no, I'm down. Um, yeah, so this was our first year on this lease in Texas, and uh, it went great. It went amazing. We got in there super late. We put cameras out. Uh, put cameras out in October. My son's trying to curl up next to me and read a book. Um, we got in there super late, got cameras out. I think like October 1st, we got feeders up cameras out, did a little scouting 
had uh, two really good bucks. We caught one wide load, big wide 10, probably, I'm going to say 135-inch 10-point, and a big eight that we called uh, tall and tight. He was probably 145 for an eight. And uh, obviously, they were they were my target bucks. My entire goal was flintlock. Like, I hadn't – I didn't care. Don't care about shooting them with a bow. You might have seen some of the video. I think I sent you some of the videos from bow season, Alex, where, you know, good deer come in. I had a split G2 buck come in, probably a good 130-ish, 10-point. Uh, just didn't care. Didn't care to shoot them. Get in there the first week of rifle, maybe the second week of rifle. I don't think I was able to go up on the first week. So the second week of rifle and the first evening couldn't hunt the stand because the wind was bad. So I made just an on the ground setup, got in a brush pile, seen a little cold buck, had a whole pack of hogs come in. I was like, man, I'm not very far from my stand. I don't want to jack anything up, mess with any of these big mature deer. So, uh, decided not to do anything it's hard not i've never killed a buck with a flintlock so and anybody that flintlock hunts know the challenges that i'm talking about but anyhow passed a really good call buck and the next morning come wind was going to be right for about two hours so i was like i'm gonna get in there 30 45 minutes before daylight as soon as that wind switches i may get out i'm not even really thinking about uh the deer i'm gonna shoot or what's gonna happen i'm thinking about strictly hunting the wind as soon as it changes i gotta get out of there and it's weird that that's a, almost a whole nother topic but like you concentrate so much on the hunt and how you should hunt you kind of lose track of what you're actually even doing you're going by the textbook you know doing exactly what you should do and i've done that forever but uh anyhow get in there and it just starts to crack daylight like it's probably five minutes before legal shooting hours and where I'm sitting, it's kind of up a little bit of a hill and I can see the horizon and deer start funneling in and I can see a big body deer. And all I see is just rack. And I'm like, Holy crap. That's wide load. I could tell he was wide as could be I'm like, Holy crap. That's wide load. And I figure hit that deer is five and a half, six and a half year old deer. And I'm like, this is going to be unbelievable. If he comes, if he gets me, anything inside 60 yards i'm letting it fly like something's fixing to happen i'm gonna miss or something's gonna die so anyhow he's working his way in working his way in and all all i can see is a silhouette it's just black silhouette and i'm seeing rack that's way outside the ears i'm thinking 24 inches inside he looked enormous he comes all the way down in gets close 28 yards it's probably maybe two minutes past legal shooting hours at this point i draw up cock back come down i got true glow sights on my flintlock so i come down on him and it's so early that i can't much my, my sights kind of disappear you know how it is in the morning yeah. like your eyes go in and out so i come up off of him i come down on my sights again i drop down on the front shoulder Pow, let one fly <laughs> did and it light the world up. it light the world up with that flintlock <laughs> Oh, I lit the world up and there was smoke for like <laughs> 15 minutes in front of me. But anyhow, deer go everywhere and I watch him hunch up and I'm instantly like, I, I'm a pretty good shot with it. I've, we could talk about the shots later, but I'm a pretty good shot with my hunt off. Well, anyhow, he hunches up and runs off. I'm like, dead deer, dead deer, dead deer. 
So I sit there and I watch him. He's at about 65, maybe 70 yards behind a little back patch of cactus. Watching him, watching him, watching him. Like 10 minutes go by and he's just standing there. And he's kind of looking around real slow. And you could tell he's a mature buck. There's deer running around blowing. They're smelling that sulfur smell. Like it's chaotic what's going on. And he's just kind of standing there. Well, instantly you start replaying it all back in your head. Oh my God, did I gut shoot him? You know, when he hunched up, it looked kind of guttish. Like, what happened? I'm sitting, sitting, sitting. Another five minutes go by and I'm like, I'm about to jack another one in this dude. So I reload up. And it's loud. I I didn't realize I have a metal. I I just got a replacement ramrod and it's metal. Well, when it went, I had to flip the ramrod on the end of it and the little threads are so squeaky. It sounded, (laughs) it was in stereo, you know, trying to squeak this ramrod together, never anticipating a second shot, you know, anyhow, I get another, get another, uh, load all loaded up and, uh, he's completely, his butt's facing straight towards me. I don't have a shot whatsoever. He's kind of just, I see his head looking over his rear end, you know, what no blows runs by him and he kind of turned that front shoulder and I had about a basketball sized hole to shoot through these cactus. I lay the old sniper shot down through there and ka-tow. smoke clears, no deer, deer running everywhere. And I'm like, God, instantly go negative. Like, oh, my God, I, did I just take a pop shot? Did I make a good shot? What did I do? Well, uh, I give him an hour and I'm on the phone with everybody. You know how we do. Give him an hour. I'm on the phone with Ricky. I go up, go to first blood where first blood should be nothing. Follow the trail. I knew exactly where he went. I knew exactly where he was standing. I follow it all the way up. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I come back. I backtrack like four times. At this point, I'm crawling through cactus, bleeding, trying to find a stitch of hair, a cut hair, a drop of blood. And I can't find nothing. And I know exactly where this deer was. So as a hunter, you know, oh, I missed him. Yeah. Well, I know myself on that gun and I'm like, there is no freaking way I missed this deer at 28 yards and there's no way I missed him at 60. I took my time. I did everything the way I do everything every time. There's no way. Back up on standing exact. I done kind of panned out a little bit, looked for anything, couldn't find nothing. So I'm standing exactly where the second shot was. I'm on the phone with Ricky and I'm like, dude, find me a dog over here. I don't care what I got to pay. I don't care. This is the buck of a lifetime with a flintlock. I'm telling Ricky, I don't know how many points he had. He's he's got to be 24 inches. I'm exaggerating <laughs> the shit out of it. But anyhow, I hang up with Ricky. He sends me a list of dogs, and I'm looking down through the list, and I'm doing a little math in my head. And I'm like, man, I might have a freaking thousand dollars in a dog coming out here. And I kind of tilted my head back, and when I left my head come back down to look at the phone again, I kind of just looked up over it and 10 yards from where he was laying or 10 yards from where I, the second shot was there he is oh man dude i done spent an hour and a half looking for this deer and he's right <laughs> there I, I guess just too excited too wound up and doubt myself and just so concentrated on trying to find blood i wasn't looking for a deer i'm trying to find that first stitch of blood and the deer's laying right there and he was a he's a stud i mean he only tapes out it I think he was 124 and a half or something, but he's 19 and a quarter inside. 
got four inches of mass out to his third measurement. He's he's a really good deer. He's an amazing deer for a flint bop kill. Yeah. And Great uh deer, whatever you so shoot anyhow, him with. <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, uh I go I gotta see where my shots were, you know. So I'll walk up to this deer and this is where it might get a little less PC, but I'll try to keep it clean. So uh I flip him over. My second shot was perfect. I had that behind the ribs and it, the bullet was actually stuck in his hide on his front shoulder. It was flawless. The first shot I have, I got a feeder and I got a hog fence around my feeder. Well, you remember when I sent you those pictures, I didn't take those shot on those deer with my bow because that hog fence was there. I didn't yeah. want to take a bad shot, but this deer had me so freaking out, freaked out. And with, the, I totally forgot about that fence apparently at 28 <laughs> yards i hit that fence and i shot this deer in his manhood oh my oh. goodness in his man and he walked out there hunched up and walked out there just like it was meant to be you know what i mean it was it was absolutely meant to be Please and, like, they, 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 gonna... they know shame in my game buddy i'll tell you exactly how it went down but i shot that dude in his manhood <laughs> shoot me again please shoot me again <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that that was kind of a crazy tale to my first buck and my first stud. That's the biggest buck. That's my first flintlock buck, and he is a stud of a flintlock buck. Where does I guess in the rankings of of deer and and the through the years, where what is the biggest deer ever taken with a flintlock? I'm sure you know. I I don't. Do I not? don't. It's not no because there's not there's not any catalog for that it a flintlock falls under a under a traditional muzzleloader so it doesn't separate a flintlock from a regular muzzleloader so it, i don't know how you'd find it there may be something somewhere but i think it'd be hard to tell because most guys that shoot a flintlock probably don't even give a crap about record books or anything like that so and over the years i know guys that have have taken deer and they don't care about showing anybody or there wasn't social media back in the day where they're you know getting it out there and people are really picking up on it is, is so, pennsylvania, yeah, i don't i don't know is pennsylvania the only state that actually has like a season for it or is there another state to the to the best of my knowledge yeah i don't know so here's a I, 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 here's an interesting fact the the state with the earliest world record whitetail is pennsylvania really it was, it was in uh 18 uh, 1830 was the first. They got some, first there's some beasts. That was the there's first. Just so, I've never hunted Midwest or nothing, but coming from PA, like you walk through the woods and it's like walking through gravel. There's acorns everywhere. They have so much food, so much protein, so much mass building. Like there's studs running around the hills of Pennsylvania. Here's, for sure. Here's, here's something interesting that I just found. So, uh, Arthur Young, born more than 200 years ago in 1813, shot the huge buck when he was only 17 years old. He became a farmer, trapper, and market hunter in the hunt in the hard scrabble hills of Pennsylvania. By the time of his death in 1878, he was renowned to have killed a greater number of deer, bears, panthers, and wildcats than any other individual in the country. Much later, a different Arthur Young helped start the Pope and Young organization. So. It's pretty cool to hear yeah. that hear that 28 years before Boone and Crockett was founded a deer was killed and then it had a record book intentions and, and it was done in Pennsylvania. 
And I think yeah. that's the one thing that a lot of people, I guess us being from the South, we don't look at the storied history that Pennsylvania carries with it throughout. I mean, you think about Philadelphia and where that's the place of, of everything this right. country was founded right. on. And the state itself has such a longstanding tradition. And good on you, man, for continuing those traditions and, and carrying that out. I mean, now you're down in the in the Alamo and, and the history there. And <laughs> you've got to chase some kind of history. I mean, you've, you've got to have a vast knowledge of history with where you lived and where you've carried yourself. And, you know, kudos to you for that, dude. That's that's awesome, and I, I love it. And I'm, I can't wait to see where you go with all the rest of it. Yep, yep, appreciate it. I'm, I can't wait to see what you do with that flintlock on that turkey hunt, man. That's going to be awesome. Can we well, get, can I, we get a weekly – can we can we do like a, a series or something? I'm going to have to hit Dustin up on this, see if he's already got it in his head. If he ain't already thought about it, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to be like, we got to do a series with you on that. When you kill one, you got you to call I'm in down. to hear I and let's drop it. When you called those, when you called those guy, uh, places you're going to hunt and you told them what you're trying to do, what was their response? They were pretty excited. Oh, well, they were pretty excited. Okay. Yeah. They, they just, they kind of questioned it at first. You're going to do what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're pretty stoked. Like they, uh, cause I, 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 I've questioned about bringing a camera. I'm going to try to document it to the best of my ability. So I'm Please trying do. to, you know, think, think about who I'm going to bring with me or what kind of cameraman or what kind of buddies I got to pull out the backwoods to help me out with it or whatever. And, those guys, those outfitters are just like, bro, I'm in. Let's do it. I'll camera for you. I got camera crews here. Da, 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 da. So I, it's almost like the night I, we've talked talk about it, riding the roller coaster, you know. I'm almost not even going to plan too much because everything's been kind of falling into place. I've just been super blessed this year, and the blessings keep coming, and everything seems to be falling into place and doing exactly what it should. So I'm just going to ride it and see where it takes me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, as you should. And <laughs> this is going to be cool to watch. Well, hopefully. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't see. I can't wait to see it, man. Yeah, um, hopefully. As we're winding up here, RP, uh, we're kind of running mm-hmm. close to an hour almost. What kind of advice would you like to leave with the listeners? Don't, <clears throat> don't second guess anything. If you want to do it, do it straight up don't hesitate if you have a thought you have a passion you have a drive if you even contemplate that it's something that you think you want to do do it don't even don't don't hesitate just do it there you go um what are you most thankful for rp uh wife and kids obviously um my wife is (laughs) she's the best wife in the world she supports me a hundred percent if I told her I was going to build a rocket and go to the moon, she's going to be like, oh, yeah, you can do it. So my wife is amazing. And so, so you're just a good that- upbringing, my family, uh, and this being born in a country where we can do this. <laughs> yeah. So- that's, that's the greatest privilege. Everybody born in this country is privileged, that's face right. value. So you're telling us a chance that you might build a rocket. 
<laughs> so, so, so Eli no. must be worried. He's the he's going to become the first man to hand forge a rocket ship to the moon. R.P. Scritchfield, Eli space Musk. traveler. Eli Musk, Elon Musk, welcome. He R. was R. in the news today, so that's the, that's the craziest thing I could come up with off the top of my head. Oh my goodness! Stand by, stand by. Oh my what goodness. what what region of uh, Texas you guys in now? I'm right. I'm on Lake Conroe, right north of Houston. Um, my lease is North Abilene, uh, about an hour north of Abilene. Yeah, I so for us I'm geographically kind of challenged folks, is that West Texas, East Texas? Yeah, it's that's actually uh, not far from the Panhandle. Uh, it's up if you look at the Panhandle, the east side of the Panhandle of Texas that comes directly uh, vertical. If you come straight down that vertical line, about an hour or two, I'm right in that area. I meant to ask you what do, what have you thought so far about because I know Louisiana's probably tough deer hunting, correct? God, and so is that's a, that, so, that's a whole podcast. In well, itself. so is PA, correct? Yeah. What? How yeah. much different is it going to Texas with all the deer? Texas is amazing, <laughs> dude. When you institute all the, I'm going to call it crap because I feel like it's been crap my entire life. Cause I've never put the pieces of the puzzle together. And some people are blessed and some people have a horseshoe and some people are lucky and blah, 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 blah. But I've done all the things that I thought I should do. And then you come to Texas and you institute those things and the plan comes together and like you can see deer and they, they're pat. They're not nocturnal. That's the biggest thing that I could say is, the deer on my lease are zero nocturnal. You rarely get a night picture of deer. They are wow. all day, all the time. It is amazing. Coming from Louisiana where those deer don't even want to smell the morning dew, let alone move in it. Yeah, it's freaking awesome to hunt a deer that is not nocturnal. The, the amount of confidence that you got going into the woods is unbelievable. Speaking of Louisiana, that deer that that guy took that was on the oh, between the times podcast was a that thing's a giant <laughs> he's stag i told i you know when dustin sent us that picture i tell you and, and after going through that skull capping and stuff that i've been able to do i tell you what boy that that would be a whoo that'd be a hard one to that's a figure out. i tell you where i, I was going to tell you earlier about that skull cap and what i learned and I've spent the time to figure out how to take it off the head and get it completely down and do all that. And the one thing that I took away from it when I was trying to learn was Daryl told me, don't cut very far down that back of that neck, you know, cut as little right. as you can. I went down there to that yeah. taxidermy shop the other day and told Braden that, and he's like, oh, God, Alex, I can stitch that up. You can take six fingers long down, and I have only been cutting about two inches. God. I was like, golly, uh, you could have saved me so there. much time if you'd told me that sooner. And he's like, don't listen to Dad. I can sew that up. <laughs> I can see better than he can. So if you listen to this, well, Braden, a lot of it's <laughs> a lot of it's your taxidermist too. You know, well, they're communicate and, and, with your taxidermist to know what he wants. He told me he said if you only took it down that much, you made our job a whole heck of a lot easier. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. He said you're you're cutting Absolutely. as little as you can off of it. So he said you made it easier. He said, but you can go down a little further than that, Alex. So. <laughs> RP, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. We. We could probably Man, sit thanks here. for having me. We could probably sit here and talk for three more hours. Uh, we try to keep these things, and we'll have you back on. And I'm, I better see you come by our booth at least. I don't know how much we'll get to come out. Oh, I don't know if we'll get to come over for your ceremony speech. 
we're doing your knife thing. So. <laughs> You're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> but if we can't, you guys uh, be sure and stop by and see us. Uh, we're going to see you for sure. Yeah, RP, like Nick said, we appreciate you taking the time to come on. We've been talking about this for a while, and, you know, you and I have got to where we talk, you know, weekly and, and catch up with each other and can't see – can't wait to watch you, you know, grow and continue to move through everything. you got a, a very humble spirit about you. You're positive in everything you do and your continued success and everything that you do. It it comes naturally for you because you're a humble guy and you deserve it, and we, we wish you all the best there for sure. Thank you all. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate the opportunity to come on and – it's a, it's a different experience, man. It's I, I'm enjoying it though. It's a roller coaster ride. I'm just I'm just along for the ride. Awesome. Well, Nick, that brings us down to the final spit of the night. And tonight was about an opportunity to remember the past, the old ways, the good old days, as some call it, that we should never let go by. The world of technology and ease we live in now makes it an arduous task to want to do things like our forefathers did, from flintlock guns to hand-forging knives, RP brings to life that the past that shaped us all, not only as an outdoorsman, but as proud Americans blessed to have been born in this great country. Thankful most for the past and the men who shaped it. From all of us here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for coming back and being with us for another amazing episode, and we hope you'll come back and be with us again real soon. And remember, smile as you go, and don't forget, mount the memories. <laughs>